This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We're considering today the kickoff uh, for summer, and we're actually finishing up a two-part message. It's not really a series. It was just a sermon that got away from me. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And so we broke it into two parts called Be Our Guest, and and this is going to be very practical, but we're preparing ourselves for uh, our guests that will be here. Obviously, they're here today, but they're going to be here all summer, all throughout the year, and as a church, we're taking serving and hospitality seriously. Uh, We want every person who shows up on this campus, and we want all of us as we go out into this community, when people leave this campus or leave your presence, that they would know I matter to God and I matter to them. That's the desire. And we looked at this quote last week, but serving is getting the right meal to the right person at the right time. Hospitality is how they feel about that in the process. And Amy and I were at lunch here in Branson on Friday, had a great server, and as the meal was brought to our table, another server walked up behind him and pointed to me and said, that's the pastor I was talking about. (laughs) Now hold it. In Branson, that can go a couple of different ways. But she said, and I hope she's here today because I thought this was fantastic. She said, got up last Sunday and I didn't want to go to work. Like she had a shift that was going to be long. She goes, I did not want to be at work. And I most definitely didn't feel like going to church. And she said, I got up and I went to church and I had no idea it was all going to be about hospitality. It changed my attitude, headed to work that day. I didn't get no free dessert out of it, uh, but... (laughs) I wasn't expecting it, but some of you are like, you don't need it. Uh, but, but I know I've been getting stories, emails, uh, direct messages of people who had some great interactions. I want to, I'll close the message with one of them today. But as we talk about our guests coming on uh, to this campus, and, and we hope that many of you will go, that's exactly what we experienced, but we, we're kind of seeing this as like a training time with Be Our Guest, and one study done showed uh, the percentage of people and, and how they hear about church and why they come to church, and here it is, if you break it down, how do people start attending church? 2%, it's based on advertising. That's why we do none, okay? <laughs> You're never going to see a billboard, right? We just, we just don't do it. It's just, it's not a high impact. Six percent by organized visitation. Raise your hand if you if your church growing up had organized visitation. We did. We went door knocking. Look at nobody in here. There was like three. Okay, few of you. It was called soul winning, and we we would go out Saturday morning. This is a true story. We'd knock on a door. Someone would open the door in their robe like they just woke up, and we would start with the subtle question: If you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Let me get a cup of coffee. I got to think about that for a second. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying maybe start with, hi, I am, what's your name? That's a better way to start a, a conversation. So organize, about 6% come to church based on organized visitation. 6% invited by the pastor. Whew. Okay, so that's off my shoulders too. Because I got to tell you something. Cold calling people has never really worked for me. It hasn't. I'll have some, a wife will come up to me and go, will you call my husband? Like, for what? Invite, get him to church. I don't know why he won't come to church. I'm like, listen. 
Uh, I'm going to call your husband. This is how the conversation is going to go. Hey, this is Ted. Uh, I want to invite you to church and ask, why are you being such a jerk? Like, it just doesn't, doesn't really go anywhere. I've never been all that effective, but this is why we're doing this series. 86% of people attend church because they're invited by a friend. Why is that important? We think about our guests, but we also think about the friends who are inviting them. Because some of you, and it may be right now, some of you invited someone to church as their first time here, and you're sitting there so nervous on the drive-in. You're like, please don't let that one overactive person come up to my friend and go in for the hug. My friend hates hugs. I don't want my friend to get a hug. And just let it just be, let it be casual. Because there's a lot of people here that just want to kind of sneak in, right? They want to sneak in. They don't look at all the people. Going, That's right. I want my free coffee, quick little hour message, and get me back out of here. So as we talk about that today, we're talking, how do we care for our guests and the friends who invite them? Uh, we're going to see two similar stories today. And I love this text in Matthew 9, 9 through 13. We get the heart of Jesus uh, for the sinner. And, and again, often when we read scripture, we, we put ourselves into the story, and all of us in these stories today need to put ourselves in as the sinners, because we were the one Jesus came after. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So when we talk tax collector today, don't think IRS agent. It's a little different. Okay? In that day, there would be booths set up on the side of the highway, and they would collect tax on any merchandise traveling that way. Uh, a couple things about tax collectors. One, they, they were thieves because they would take more tax than required and the difference they would pocket. So they were thieves, but also they were considered by the Jews traitors. Why? Because they were collecting tax for Rome. So since we don't have tax collecting booths, I was trying to think of it this week, what do we avoid? A lot of us, when we go to the mall, will try to avoid the kiosk. We won't make eye contact. Like we walk as far away as possible to get away from that person. I always think, for those of you who work in a kiosk, the thick skin you must have to, to, to face that rejection all day long. And, and what we see in this story, as people are trying to avoid, people aren't making eye contact, people are moving around, Jesus moves right in. And moves towards. And what does it say? He says to Matthew, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so now Matthew's going to invite colleagues and friends over to meet Jesus and to talk with Jesus. Many tax collectors and sinners. I've always loved this because we separate the two in Scripture. And it's like, I'm a sinner, <laughs> but at least I'm not a tax collector. Right? I know I've done some things, <laughs> but I'm not a traitor and I'm not a thief. Isn't that what we do all the time with our sin? Like We're like, this is what I am, but at least I'm not. We try to justify our sin by pointing to greater sin. So there were tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, you're going to see them both in this story and the next story we look at in a few moments, saw this, they asked his disciples. That's very important in the text to see. They asked the disciples, Jesus hears that, and Jesus answers, not the disciples, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
It's important to understand here that when we see today this idea of the Pharisees and the righteous, the idea there with the righteous is that it was implied by the Pharisees. They're like, we are the strict followers of the law. These people are not. And let me tell you, we follow it. And so Jesus, Jesus is saying, well, that's not the person then who needs me if they're counting on that for themselves. I come for the people who need me. It goes on to say, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And we read this in scripture, right? Sacrifices without mercy, worthless. Okay, when mercy is lacking, religious formal activities are meaningless, right? So we see the heart of Jesus in this text today. And if you and I are not careful, follower of Jesus, if we're not careful, we can very much develop a, we're the insiders, they're the outsiders. It can be, begin to develop in us an us versus them. And ever, if you ever get that spirit, or you ever get that heart or mind, that it's, I am the one who follows Jesus, I am the righteous one, don't associate with them, Remind yourself of what it says in Romans 15, 7. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. Insiders can quickly forget that they too are sinners in need of a Savior. That you are the one. That you are a sinner saved by grace. And we have to be very careful that we don't develop this us versus them because Jesus, I don't know what pastor said this, I heard it years ago. We, Jesus goes and engages the person that many of us will cross the road to avoid. May that not be our heart ever. And so last week, here's just kind of a recap of hospitality last week and our desire. And you can go back, if you didn't catch the message last week, we learned that hospitality welcomes the marginalized. Jesus said when you throw a banquet, just don't invite, don't invite your friends and family. They can repay you. Invite the marginalized, the poor, the lame, the blind. They can't repay you. Invite people that can't repay you, the people that Jesus spent time with. Invite those who can't repay you, and you will be blessed, Jesus said. We then saw that it opens the door to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and the heart of this church is to move toward diversity, that you and I would understand that, that the, the gospel is for all, and we, we, every nation, tribe, and tongue. And it does not play favorites, so this moves from culture into that socioeconomic. And we looked at James, remember? We don't bring rich people in, give them the best seats, and tell poor people to sit back there. That is not how it works. We said if you're doing hospitality right, it's going to be messy, awkward, and exhausting. I say this for those watching online. We know we got some comments last week. The heart of this church is that there is never a VIP table. But we understand that at times we're not going to say everything just right. It, we're not perfect. Not, at times things aren't going to be, we may say the right thing, but not in the right way. But our heart is that you leave here. You show up on campus going, they want me here. You leave going, I matter to God and I matter to them. And, and in the process, it can be messy, awkward, and exhausting. Uh, I, you know I love comedy and I hope many of you do as well. One of my favorites is Tim Hawkins, if you've ever watched him. And he, thank you, we got a very passionate Tim Hawkins fan uh, back there. But I saw this clip years ago, and it just fits perfectly as we enter into, so how are we going to welcome our guests? And as we get into some practical teaching on welcoming what we do and why we do it, check out what Tim has to say.
the hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. People come in on Sunday. How you doing? Nice to see you all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God love We love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They're just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. We welcome Arkansas today. We're glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> so, so in, in thinking about what it means to welcome our guests uh, here on campus and then and all throughout our community, uh, I sent an email to our staff and said, hey, share with me some do's and don'ts. Let's create the Ten Commandments for welcoming guests, for greeting our guests at church. And uh, I wish I could share with you the emails. Mm, I mean... I mean, I had to summarize and clean up. No, nah, it wasn't vulgar, but it was like, I mean, it, it, it turned into really therapy for our volunteers and staff as they were sharing. And so I said, wow, we, we have about 30 or 40 here. And so I brought it and put it in a list of 10, but this is brought from all different places on campus. And some of them I'm a little embarrassed to share. Uh, so that's why I'm giving attribution to the staff. Okay, number one. <laughs> The Ten Commandments for Greeting Thou shalt not go in for a hug with every person you meet. Who here wants to be greeted with a hug? Raise your hand. Who says, absolutely not, stay away from me, you strangers? Okay. <laughs> Who's like, depending on the day, just go ahead and raise your hand. And the week, okay, good, that's a pretty, that's pretty mixture. This next one, this is Stephanie Watson, number two. She put this one, I, I don't even want to put this up here, but her whole, she's having four new grandbabies next week. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I think this is a little personal for Stephanie, but I, I, I still can't believe people do this. Number two, thou shalt not touch a pregnant woman's belly and comment on her size. That, there's no way that happens. Does that happen? Listen, we learn at a very young age, you don't even compliment a pregnant woman. You don't even ask if she's pregnant. This is like the... This is like we're taught from very, let alone touch. So a guest shows up on our campus, no touchy. Okay? Do not touch a pregnant wife or comment on her size. That's what she wants. Okay, sorry, we'll calm it down. Number three, thou shalt not ask too many questions or give unsolicited advice. Right? Get to know someone first. Number four, thou shalt not pass out cards or flyers for your business or event. Some of you have been doing this covertly. <laughs> Number five, thou shalt not invite them to serve on their first Sunday. <laughs> and, and so we'll talk about that one more in just a second. Number six, thou shalt not hijack the conversation. When someone is sharing their story, listen. When you think their story's wrapping up, ask questions for more details. But you've been, I, we all do this. Somebody's sharing a story, it reminds you of a part of your story, and you're like, hey, I'm done with your story. Let me tell you about me. <laughs> Keep it about them and their story. Number seven, thou shalt not ask if this is their first time at Woodland Hills. 
I've made this mistake more than once. I don't do it anymore because I've said, hey, is this your first time? I've been going here for seven years. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you should stop being a guest. I don't know. <laughs> we encourage you to take a step. All right, number eight. Thou shalt not comment on a guest's relationship status or ask why they do not have children. We don't need to get into family planning with our guests, all right? We, you know, we don't know the story. It's a little much. Number nine, thou shalt not call out someone's sin in the first conversation. <laughs> Slow your roll. And then number ten, thou shalt offer thy seat. Oh, look at nothing. I got nothing on number ten. And this is where you need to be encouraged a little bit. Some of you are like, no, I got here for this seat. I had 12 people walk by and I, me, sitting in this seat. And I appreciate our guests, but they could get an alarm clock. That's what they could do. They could get a watch that works. That's what I think might help. Get a nice watch, get here on time, quit chit-chatting out there at the coffee thing, get in here and find a seat. I'm just expressing your emotion is why you won't move off these aisle seats, Kent. It's why you won't move. Look at it, you're like, I got here. Look at it. And they're even gripping it right now. I got it. Thou shalt, I got to tell you, this happened, this happened a couple weeks ago, and I called it out, it was in the last service, so it's not being taped, which you can do say a lot more uh, when it's not online, but this senior adult in our church walks down this aisle, and he's having a hard time, I don't know if you know, but we have a lot of uneven ground around here uh, in the Ozarks, walking down, and he's having a hard time getting down, everybody's sitting on the aisles just watching him. Nobody said, he's about to fall. He gets down to the front, and he's still looking for a seat. He just keeps going like this. I finally stopped and go, somebody get up! <laughs> this guy's going to fall over, and then the service is over. I don't know if you know that happens. When we have a medical emergency, it's over. So you could see a guy like, all right, I'll get up, take my seat. And then he left. <laughs> so... So this is all, this is for all of us. Why? At Woodland Hills, we believe every member is a minister. So that's very important. So let's talk about this. At this church, we welcome guests and invite them to be family. Okay, and, and so this is why you're not asked to serve on your first Sunday. We want to date. Like, we, you need to get to know us. We need to get to know you. And I know some of you may be coming from another church. Another, you moved here from another state. You were very involved in your last church. And we just say, hey... Be a guest. We want you to be a guest. You have guests over to your home, right? And what do you do? You, you greet them at the foyer, maybe take them into the living room before dinner, then you take them to the dining room. And I, we have this. I, I have guests that will be at the end of dinner. They're going to clear the table. They're going to do the dishes. They're going to take the garbage out. And we tell them, no, 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 let, let us do that, right? The family will stick around and do that. That's what we want to do. So that's, that's the next point. We invite family to serve, and we want to serve with hearts of hospitality. We want to care for our guests. And so what is the transition? How, how do you go from being a guest to being a family member? We have starting point here. There's still openings in June. At the end of June, we encourage you uh, to look at what does it mean to be a church member? What does it mean to plug in and serve our guests that show up here week in and week out? And we want all of us because we believe every family member is a minister. So that Ten Commandments... Uh, for greeting guests, that's not just for those wearing the, the big yellow high button. That's for all of us. That's like, give, up that, give up that seat. Give up that parking space. 
You're like, no, give me some time to process the seat. I can't do the parking space thing right now. <laughs> and when a family member shows up, this is the heart. This is the heart all of us want to have. It's simply this. How can I serve? Not this is how I am going to serve. Sometimes people show up and they maybe even serve or work for a ministry and they're like, hey, I'm in this ministry. I need the church to now leverage their resources, their volunteers, and throw it all in behind what I'm doing. This is why it's get to know us. Let us get to know you. We want you to be a part of the family. But in serving and caring for one another, right, we, we come with the heart of how can I serve? What do you need done around here? Rather than here I am and here's what I'm going to do. We want you to have the heart of how can I serve? You tell me, what's the best way? As we look at the second story this morning, uh, this one takes us straight to the heart of Jesus, the heart he has for tax collectors and sinners and what the religious people think about it. Number one, we're going to see in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and you can put the word still, S-T-I-L-L, still. Jesus is going to tell us in this story, and this is the parable of the 99 and going away for the one, but we read, verse 1, sinners, and I would add, still want to hear from Jesus. I'm convinced of this. Those far from God want to know, what did Jesus say? A lot of times they want to know what Jesus said, but they don't really care what your denomination interprets what Jesus said to mean. A lot of times they don't want the, the baggage of this relationship or of this church or that church, but what did Jesus actually say? And this sometimes gets us in trouble because people, and I've seen it this week in our community, misquoting scripture, misunderstanding scripture. Insiders and outsiders, us, that whatever, it, it's not using scripture correctly, but people still lean in when Jesus speaks. And when you share the words and the teachings of Jesus, it says in verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus Right? That's the ultimate aim of this hospitality that we're talking about. How you treat someone in a restaurant, how you meet and gather with someone in your home, how you greet a guest here on campus on Sunday morning, the heart and soul is that they would hear from God, that they would understand who Jesus is. That's the, that's the aim of all of this. In verse 2, here's the main point we get. Jesus still welcomes sinners, and this bothers religious people. Religious people will always have an issue with who you're welcoming, how you're welcoming them. And I, I've dealt with this for 27 years in ministry. Verse 2 says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, they murmured, they complained. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So much so that, what was he accused of? He was accused, Matthew eleven nineteen. we read, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Need to know Jesus is the sinless son of God. So he was not a glutton and he was not a drunkard. Was he a friend of sinners? Yes. With the sole purpose of sharing with them the good news that that would lead to repentance. And I'm here to tell you, when you follow Jesus and welcome sinful people, you will be accused of all sorts of stuff people won't like it, but it still bothers religious people. But here's, here's the heart, verse, verses three through seven, and it's the third point. Jesus wants us to rejoice when sinners repent. This is the aim of all of our hospitality. In verse three, verses three through seven, Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99? It's very important to understand here in this, because sometimes people read this and go, uh, well, the 99 are not that important. That's not what Jesus is saying. The 99 are important, right? And I, I heard a pastor years ago say, you don't fully understand the 99 and one idea until you're the one. You don't fully understand the grace of God until you realize he came after you. And he came after me. It says, doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And this is our heart. This is our attitude. This is what we, we should be rejoicing. It's, it's become a mission statement of our church. I don't know, 15, 20 years. We say it all the time. Do for one what you can't do for all. It keeps people from hospitality. It keeps people from serving. When they see the need or they see the numbers and they're like, it's too great. I can't do anything. Listen, you can share the good news with one person. You can show hospitality to one person. You're like, I'm not really good in groups. You don't need to be. Do for one what you can't do for all. I tell you, he said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. You know what I love about that text? Everything we're doing today is worth it if one person repents. And I think sometimes in the church growth movement, I know there are documentaries online now and on TV talking about the church and all of that. And, and yeah, there was some goofiness that came out of the church growth movement. I, I get that. And I'm not getting into all of that today, but I do have to tell you, uh, Sometimes we think, well, only this many people were baptized. Only that many people were baptized. We rejoice when one is baptized. We rejoice when one. Because what? It says rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. Now, it's important to understand when Jesus is talking about the righteous, it's like this is the attitude of the Pharisees. They're like, we're the strict law followers. All of you other people are not. And Jesus is saying, well, you, you're saying you don't need me, and I'm not for you. He says... 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If, if you ever take this story and take from it that the whole point of Jesus being a friend of sinners or the whole point of Jesus dining with tax collectors and sinners, I've heard people quote it like this, it's because Jesus came to party. You've kind of missed the whole point of this text. The whole point of this text is that Jesus didn't come to party. Jesus came to dine with sinners so they would repent. And now this is, this is for our community. I know many of you may not know all that's going on in our community, but we need to understand the heart of Jesus in this with everything. And lots of questions being asked this week, but I think we take clearly from this story and the first story today, Jesus affirmed their value, not their sins. And, and believers today have a very difficult time doing this. You know, every single person in here is an image bearer of Almighty God. Every person in the courtyard is an image bearer of Almighty God. Every person in the chapel, every person watching online, which means you have automatic intrinsic value. And Jesus saw the value in every single person. And dining with them said, I see you. I see your worth. I see your value. But let me tell you, that affirming of value doesn't mean we affirm sins. And sometimes, sometimes we get this very backwards. I'll get messages and people will be like, I don't live a lifestyle that your church approves of. Will I be welcomed at Woodland Hills Family Church? And the answer is 100% absolutely yes. Because you're an image bearer of Almighty God. 
But the problem then, the conversation moves on to, will you accept anything in my life I want to do and don't tell me how to live? Well, that's the purpose of our welcome for you and for me. The gospel for you and for me is to call me to repentance and is to call you to repentance. And I can call you to repentance. You can be called to repentance and at the same time see your value. See, every person in here is an image bearer of Almighty God. But you move from being an image bearer to a child of God through faith alone in Christ alone. Through repenting of your ways and you doing it your way. And that's where we're at in our culture today. You can't say I'm valuable if you don't accept my sin. No, no, that's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus says, these people are all avoiding you and walking away from the booth. I'm walking right up to you and inviting you to follow me. And in following me, you know you are a valuable image bearer, but to be a child of God that you would turn from your sins. We don't welcome sinners to affirm their sins or to justify ours. Right? Don't ever use this text like, hey, this is why I can go do tequila shots with my friends this weekend. That's not, that's not the point of this text. The point of this text is that the people matter to God and that Jesus calls us to repentance. Jesus welcomes sinners because he wants them to repent and believe in him, period. Timothy Keller, you know, passed away, uh, not this past week, but the week before, and I just love his definition and explanation of this gospel message. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. When, when people go, tell me about my sin, how bad is it? Oh, it's bad, then you can, oh, it's terrible. It's, is it that bad? Worse than you think. It, 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 it's worse than you think. But, but the good news is, loved and accepted in Christ Jesus more than you ever dared hope. And our heart as a church is we will welcome guests and knowing it's going to be challenging at times, difficult at times. We want to show hospitality to those who are far from God. We want everybody who calls Woodland Hills Family Church home, members of our church to be ministers and share this and clearly communicate this. And we want you to do it far beyond just this campus. And that's why I got to tell you, as your pastor, it was, uh, it was a real encouraging week on many fronts. Not on all fronts, but on many fronts. Uh, as, as you shared stories about how God used you this week, and I'm not going to share names, obviously, but a lot happened in restaurants. Some of you were a little over the top uh, in restaurants. Uh, like, people were concerned about you. Uh, <laughs> do I need to call security? Nope, we just heard a message on this, so I'm just kind of laying it on thick right now. So I got this one, though, and I asked permission to share this. And it says, good morning, Ted. My friend took me out for birthday for a birthday lunch this week, and we were greeted by a server who was eager to serve us. We placed our drink and appetizer order, and when she came back to the table, she began sharing her entire life story. At one point, she stopped to take a breath, and then I said, I can tell, and then she said, and I can tell you are locals, to which we replied, how can you be so certain? She said, because you're not as entitled as a lot of people I wait on. Upon bringing our lunch, which she almost dropped in our laps, we learned she was a single mom of a two-year-old and a four-year-old and was working two jobs and lived with her grandmother and lots of additional information about her life. 
We finished our lunch, and she came to offer me a complimentary dessert for my birthday. I asked what her favorite was, and she shared that she doesn't get to sample things at this restaurant like she does at other ones, probably because everything is so expensive. So I chose the blackberry cobbler with a scoop of ice cream. She brings it to the table, almost sliding into our lap. My friend and I realized our time together was clearly not what we intended it to be. And I'm always grateful for those who are just aware, like, like just paying attention to what God's doing in their lives and being like, okay, this was supposed to be a birthday lunch, but let's take this time to, to minister. And so I, I admire verbally how delicious the dessert looks, and she stands there just staring at it. And then I asked her, would you like to try the first bite? Her face lit up, and she said, yes, let me go get a spoon. (laughs) She came running back, leaned over the table to work her spoon in and under the cobbler, making sure to get the berries, the crust, as well as the ice cream into a perfectly mounded scoop. She takes the spoon up to her mouth, putting the enormous bite in all at once, then licks the spoon and says, yep, that is delicious. By this point, my friend and I are just trying to contain our shock and laughter. And so I say, yes, and now you can honestly tell people that you have tried the cobbler and you can highly recommend it. I just wanted you to know we're taking this challenge seriously and want to really be mindful of what God's doing. Uh, We're taking the challenge to a whole nother level this week. And then this person added at the end, yes, we left her a very generous tip. This is the purpose of our hospitality. it's, It's telling people they matter and they matter to God, yes. Calling them to repentance so they move from being just an image bearer to being a child of God. That is our heart and prayer for you today. A lot of times people will say, you can't welcome me, you can't bring me in, and you can't show me all this unless you also. We stay the course, and we continue to show kindness. We continue to show love. We continue to show, uh, as the book I'm reading, unreasonable hospitality to people. As we close with Romans 5, 8, and that we're reminded that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the call for you and for me today. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, we, uh, we come to you as a church, and I, 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 to start with us as church family members, that we would be affirming of value, but not of sin. That we would be clear on this, and that we would, we would dine with those who don't make us feel comfortable who maybe don't look like us or act like us, that we would speak words of high value, that we would call this value out in others, that we would not turn away and seek to avoid, but we would lean in, and that all of us would would understand the, the power of the gospel and calling people to it that would lead them to repentance. For our guests who are here today, we do hope they feel... Uh, welcomed and greeted and that they leave knowing that they matter to you. They matter to you so much so, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for them. 
and that today would be the day that they confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. I pray for uh, this church and in this community that we would continue to reach out, caring and loving people, welcoming them, inviting them uh, to the family of Woodland Hills. And we pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said.